Hi again, people of marketing. Yes, you guessed it. This right here is a little ad. I'm not sure how much you know about Planable, but we're a collaboration tool for social media teams, helping marketers around the world create, plan, review, approve, and schedule social media posts. The best part is that you can try Planable for free. No strings attached. And if it strikes your fancy, we got a special offer just for you. Yes, I'm talking to you, dear listener who hasn't skipped past the ad. Go to planable.io slash listeners and use the discount code when upgrading to get 30% of the first three months. That is planable.io slash listeners. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, this is Ksenia Muntan and welcome to another episode of People's Marketing Podcast. I'm the founder and CEO of Planable, the collaboration tool for social teams, and I launched this podcast to take a sneak peek into the lives of marketers that inspire me. Every week, we explore the story of their careers, the choices, mistakes, wins, and imperfections of their work life. Today's guest is Emily Sechrist, Global Head of Social Strategy at Intel, a tenacious marketer and communicator with a passion to analyze and solve complex problems. Emily has an affinity towards B2B markets and telling the world about the ways their services and solutions touch people's lives. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today on People of Marketing. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Yes. So as always, I just love to start this conversation by connecting the dots, you know, walking through your career, looking backwards at it. I'm curious, what would you say was your first interaction with marketing that you can remember? What do you think got you into marketing in the first place? Yeah, I think it's funny for me because my first interaction really with a brand was growing up in in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area Um, and growing up in a place where a brand really was the town, you know, so, Mm. so growing up in Hershey, everywhere you go, the streetlights are Hershey kisses. Um, You know, the, the town smells like chocolate. There's a a theme park that's based off of Hershey's chocolate as well. You know, really an entire town that is built around this idea of this brand. Um, You know, my father worked there. I worked there through high school and college. And so my first interaction with a brand, I think, was really different from a lot of people. And I didn't understand as a small child that not every brand had this. And so I was fascinated by this. And I really thought I was more starstruck by brands than by, you know, celebrities or whatnot. And I was fascinated by this idea of like, what are their headquarters like? You know, what's uh, Mm. for like Oreo and these other places, do they have towns just like this? And so I think my first interactions really were different than others and that I expected every brand to have a town like this that was really kind of devoted (laughs) to it and so it was of course as I got older I realized this wasn't true but um, you know if I were driving down the road and I would see a building with a logo on it I would be fascinated to know what was behind those doors Um, so that was really kind of my first interaction with brands and marketing Um, though I didn't initially go into marketing straight away out of college I had a different career path to get there Um, But I was kind of obsessed with this idea of marketing and brands early on. That's such a beautiful start, you know, in your 
uh, connection with marketing in the brand world, I can't think of a better environment to get connected with this space, just experience it, you know, every single day and, you know, see the power of the brand every day um, since you were a child. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started in your career. What were the steps that got you where you are now? Uh, you know, what are the companies that you worked for? Walk us a bit through your journey. Yeah, so I actually started in college. I was a nursing major. Um, and oh. at the same time, I was an intern with Hershey's. And so I was going down this path for nursing. At the same time, I was an intern at Hershey's. And I got as far as clinicals for nursing. And I, you know, I, I really decided that it wasn't the right thing for me, but I love the idea of business. Um, and so I uh, switched my major, my second year, second or third year into college, between my second and third year, I switched majors to business management. And I really leaned hard into the internship with Hershey's. Uh, I had a mentor, a college advisor, and a professor in college who, um, was very active in the ACLU. She was an immigrant and she got me really interested in the idea of employment law um, and the idea of possibly one day working for the NAACP or the ACLU. And so I graduated from college. I got a job at a company called TE Connectivity. At the time it was Tyco Electronics and HR with the intention of going to law school and going into employment law. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the first couple of years of my career in HR I was a generalist in a manufacturing facility, um, and I got more and more into HR. I was doing things like training, learning, and development. I was doing some work with strategic workforce planning and succession planning. I got into HR communications, and I, somewhere along the line, forgot about law school. Um, I got into <laughs> HR comms and internal comms. I actually, at one point, was managing our CEO's town halls and webcasts, and at one point, we got our first CMO. And she, uh, she brought all of marketing under her, or all of communications and marketing under her as a CMO. And that was my first introduction to like a true marketing and branding team. Um, and at the time she's like, you know, I, I feel like communications is something you kind of enjoy, but you're looking for a new challenge. Why don't you take on social media? And at the time, um, brands were just starting to dip their toe into social media. They weren't really quite sure what to do with it. She's like, you know, it, it could be a great challenge for you if you can figure out how to do this right. And what's really funny about it at the time was, so TE Connectivity, just to take a step back, TE is a, what we would call an ingredient brand in the tech space. So they make connectors, cables, sensors. So all the things that go inside your devices, your cars, your appliances, inside ships and, you know, um, anything that has electricity in it, essentially needs yeah. a connector, it needs a cable, it needs a sensor, just like it needs a processor or a chip. Um, and so at the time, the, the company that was kind of really leading this ingredient tech space was Intel, you know, that with the Intel inside uh, marketing campaign. We were always looking at the GEs and the Intels as that aspirational brand that we wanted to be like. And so they were leading the social media space as well. And they were who I looked at as kind of that aspirational competitor that I wanted to be like. Um, and so I built out the social media program at TE. I did that for a couple of years and just looking to take on some new challenges, got into nurture programs. And my husband and I were looking to kind of just make a move even across the country. And so it was at the time we had my daughter, we were looking to move and I left the company. I think it just felt like the right time um, to get some agency experience. So I mm -hmm. went to 
um, a small central Pennsylvania agency that had one of their largest clients on the West Coast. So it was an opportunity to, to go out there and, and service them. Um, and that was how we ended up going from Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up, uh, to Portland, Oregon. Um, and I worked on the agency side for a little bit until unfortunately, you know, as some oftentimes happens, like, you know, I got laid off. Small agencies are, are, are sometimes hard. And then I did some consulting with actually a competitor of TEs on the connector side. That's a company called Luxshare. They actually do the connectors and cables for Apple. So your AirPods, um, your lightning cords that come with your iPhone, et cetera. Did that for a little bit um, just to get my feet under me. And then went to a company here in Portland called FLIR. Uh, they do infrared technology, so infrared cameras. Uh, they do infrared cameras that go on helicopters for the, the government. So, you know, pretty interesting business there. And then Intel came knocking. And it was kind of full circle for me that this company that I respected um, for so long. And, and, you know, in that with the agency and with Luxshare and FLIR, like I, it was, it was, you know, kind of a full integrated marketing. So everything from brand strategy um, to integrated campaigns. And then Intel came knocking with the social job. And it was like, like I said, kind of full circle going back to when I started my marketing career in social media as my first marketing job, looking at Intel as the kind of pinnacle in that space and knowing that they were looking to bring back kind of the old glory of what they were doing and they were knocking on my door to do it. So it kind of felt like this, this pinnacle moment for me in my career to say, yes, let's go back um, into social media and, and go to the company that I respected so much. And so that's how I ended up here. Was there a pivotal moment when you transitioned from HR to marketing, when you had this revelation about yourself that this is what you want to do? I, I think it's, it's, it wasn't what you would expect it to be. You know, growing up in the East Coast and working on the East Coast, um, I grew up in a small town. I mean, Hershey's not that big. And so <laughs> when I got into marketing um, at TE, TE was a, a Philadelphia headquartered company. And getting into marketing, you know, it was a New York and Chicago based agencies. And, and when I started working with some of these New York and Chicago based ad agencies, again, it went back to this idea of this love for brands that I had as a child. So I'm, you yeah. know, walking around these large New York agencies and, you know, I got introduced to the person who like invented the easy button. So it brought back. <laughs> It brought back that that moment for me of like, oh, these are the people behind those things that I always kind of loved, but always felt so out of reach for me. And I think I just kind of fell in love with it again in a way yeah. that felt much more, what's the word, much more accessible. Yeah. 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 I'm curious um, about your typical day now uh, at Intel, you know, being the global head of social strategy. I know a typical day <laughs> doesn't really exist in our world, but what does, you know, a day in your work life look like? How do you start your day before I started recording? I know you mentioned that you were going through your inbox, you know, what's the first thing mm -hmm. you tackle when you start your day? Do you have a particular ritual you go through each morning? How do you maintain your week productive? How do you know you plan your mm -hmm. work, your schedule? How do you ensure your you're focused and productive. Yeah, so Intel has a lot of social media handles and channels that we that we oversee. Yeah. I don't touch all of them on a daily basis. <laughs> There's a lot that are decentralized, obviously. 
Um, and so for me, a lot of times coming in in the morning, you know, the first thing I do, I get up in the morning, I check the news, all of the personal things, and I'll check my inbox just to see what's popped in. Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's emails that have come in from um, APJ, so Asia and Amaya with some questions. And so I'll just kind of get my mind into this place of like, here's the things that I need to tackle as soon as I yeah. sit down in front of my computer. Um, get my coffee and I'll sit down and think through how I want to respond. Um, and it's just getting through kind of those overnight things that have popped up, taking a look at my calendar of what I have ahead of me. I oftentimes will have a calendar that's double, triple booked. So I'll take a look at like, what are the fires that I need to put out today? So I'll leave my calendar, you know, double booked. Um, I don't, I don't decline things right away. I leave those um, conflicts on there because mm -hmm. sometimes what I think is an, is like an urgent meeting on Friday isn't an urgent meeting on Monday. And mm -hmm. so I'll just go through and kind of finalize what my day is going to look like, which things I'm going to decline, which things I'm, I'm going to leave on my calendar. Um, and then I, I subscribe to, you know, that Franklin Covey theory of little rocks and big rocks. You know, what are the big rocks that I need to anchor my week around? Because in social media, especially in a big brand, you're, you're working day by day, week by week. You have the things that are out there that you know you're planning for, but really what are those big rocks that I need to get to this week? And then how do I fill in the week with the little rocks? Um, and it really is each morning looking at my calendar and saying, these are the things I need to get through today. These are um, the, you know, things that are burning for me. And then also having a team, you know, where do they need help today? You know, there's a lot of things that my team often handles on their own, but do they need me to step in and help them? Do they need air cover? Um, do they need me to back them up on a call today that they normally can handle on their own? So I think it's every morning just coming in and looking at my day and making fi those final decisions, getting through the early emails and, and setting the tone for the day. If you enjoy people of marketing and are interested in knowing more about influencer marketing, we've got a great podcast recommendation for you. Winfluence, the influence marketing podcast is hosted by the always charming Jason Falls. He interviews people of influencer marketing to help your business better understand how influence can work for you. Go subscribe at jason.online slash POM. That's jason.online slash POM. Being in a leadership position, is there anything you miss that you don't get to do as much now as you were in the past? I think it's harder to find the, the periods of quiet to, to sit and either do some of the development for myself um, or to just kind of sit and be creative um, or introspective about where I want to take things. Um, I try to block Fridays as much as I can to be that day, whether it's just Friday afternoons or a chunk of Friday to sit and think about the next week or the next couple of weeks or try to do more future planning so that I can have that time. Oftentimes it gets filled in with the things that pop up, but at least it'll give me more of like a half hour here or a half hour there during the day to be able to just kind of sit down and take a breath. Um, so mm -hmm. I miss that. Like I said, I miss having the opportunity to just learn for the sake of learning. Um, or trying to get some reading in, whether it's a publication or um, going through some of the platform updates or some of the, uh, the, the industry 
um, communities or whatnot. Right. Um, talking about the fact that our industry is so dynamic and being a marketer is a very hectic type of job. Uh, we have to juggle with so, so many things. And I know I touched upon the productivity aspect of this job. And I'm curious, what do you think stands between you and your most productive self? Like from your aspirational productive <laughs> self. I know that, you know, notifications for me is one mm-hmm. of the most disturbing things ever. You know, people mention meetings and other stuff. Yeah. What's yours? I think it's both of those things. And it's partly my personality. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some people who can look at all of those notifications in the meetings and not be bothered by them. Like I know plenty of people who can see like 75 new messages pop in and let it roll off of them. (laughs) Um, I'm not one of those people. I have to check every single one of them. So I think it's the notifications, it's the meetings. I mean, a light day for me generally is, you know, 10 meetings. I have a hard time saying no, and I have a hard time ignoring things or not just ignoring them, but I have a hard time prioritizing sometimes the quiet time for myself mm-hmm. like I'm, if something pops up and it's a choice between lunch or adding more to my plate I'm gonna feel bad picking lunch and so I think yeah. it's it's my own like detrimental self-sabotage if you will do you have any ways of making it work uh, any tactics I surround myself with people who remind me continuously that I need to do it <laughs> yes Um, I have, my team is really great about it. I have, you know, a leader, um, our, our head of, of social, our director of social, who I report to, who Mm -hmm. reminds me all of the time that I need to take care of myself first, um, to be able to do any of the things I want to do. I have a husband who does the same and I have a daughter who will remind me that I need to do it. You know, I have a six year old that will pop in here and bring me snacks. Um, (laughs) so I think part of it is just finding your network of people who will continually, you know, support you and remind you that you don't have to be everything to everybody. Right. That's a good advice. That's, that's very good. I'm wondering, you mentioned that early on in your career, Intel was one of the companies that you were looking up to, your inspiration. Mm -hmm. And being in social media, I'm sure you follow probably dozens of other social media accounts for research and also for inspiration. It's kind of like part of the job description Yes, uh, to be on the platforms and to see, you know, what all the brands are doing. And I'm sure you have your favorite. If you would have the opportunity to <laughs> meet the person behind a specific Twitter account, what Twitter account do you think that would be? It's funny because being in this role, you actually get to meet these people Um, and you realize they're exactly like you. So it's funny, (laughs) like I, when I was in, like when I was in the social role 10 years ago and I was like looking up at Intel, I was like, oh, to be that person. And then you become that person and it's, it's a very different thing. And then you get to meet all of the people at all these big brands. Um, mm. You know, I'm a part of the socialmedia.org organization, and then all of the people that have similar roles you get to spend some time with. I have to say, like, I, it's, for me, it's less about the people behind the brand roles. I'm more interested in some of the people behind, like, the news organizations. Mm. And, you know, some of the people who are on the front lines of, 
um, the, the comedies, uh, the comedy channels, and the news channels. Which the ones? ones? Who are cr- Is there like you know, a, a couple of favorites that you'd mention? I don't know. Like I, I love all the ev- the late evening um, comedy <laughs> news channels yeah. and things like that because I feel like not that I'm putting down any of the work that I do or my colleagues do, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of times the work that we do is bringing a brand to life. And I just love the idea of the people who are bringing like individual personalities to life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they would be the people that are fascinating to me. The Colbert's, the uh, Trevor Noah's, et cetera. I want to go back to your, to your career. And I want to ask you if there's anything you wish you knew when you were just starting out in your career, like if you'd be being, you know, let's say a time machine <laughs> was invented and you had the opportunity to meet your past self, what advice would you give to yourself? I think it would be, I mean, it's something I followed, so I don't think it's something I would do differently, mm-hmm. but I think it's the like lean into every opportunity you get and to be kind of fearless in it. As I mentioned, I started as a nursing major. I took an internship in business as a nursing major. I started in HR and I, my career has taken so many paths. Um, I was laid off and then took a job that didn't work out like twice in six months. And, and I think it's that you learn that there's so many opportunities out there. And I would be upset with myself if I would have started my career and got so stuck in this idea of what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And had that laser focus and the blinders on and ignored all these other opportunities that could have been. Um, so I think it's really what I would tell myself and what I would tell anybody else just starting out in their career is, you know, have goals and have things that you want to do, but just be open. Um, and yeah. don't be afraid to just lean into those opportunities. Um, to not think that sometimes are things are too good to be true. Sometimes they're just what you need. Um, and so sometimes they're going to be risky. They're going to be scary. They're not going to work out. Sometimes you're going to wonder if you made the right decision when it doesn't work out, but there's something right around the corner. Um, that's mm. probably going to be better than what you expected. So don't be afraid, you know, I, take every opportunity that comes your way. That's amazing advice. I think so many people very early on in their career feel that they have committed so much time and effort to what they've been already doing in the past. It's kind of, they don't want to feel like they lost time where everything they've put in, the effort, the time, the resources, and, you mm-hmm. know, in the university they've mm-hmm. taken or the jobs they haven't done, that all of that is lost. Um, you know, instead of thinking like, you know, the future, uh, how many years, you know, are ahead that you could potentially spend in maybe a career path that is not the best fit for you. So I think yeah. that is great, great advice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Emily. Um, and I feel like just to, yeah. if I can just add on to yeah. that too, I think my experience too, because, you know, I've worked in HR, I've, you know, hired a bunch of people. There's some, some schooling that you'll do, like my husband's an engineer. And I feel like there's some professions like engineering or very technical roles that the education you get in college is going to help direct your path. But then I think there's other things that you do that you may have a degree in something and you've gone to a certain school and and you think that the school is super important to the trajectory of your career. And to a degree starting out, it is. But once you get into a career and you get experience under you, the degree you have and the university you went to becomes less important. 
And so to never think that just because you maybe didn't go to a big Ivy League school or because you don't have a degree in it, that you don't potentially have the ability to get somewhere if that's what you really want. Um, I think a lot of times having a degree is kind of a first step in, but you can get there through other means as well. So I wouldn't ever be um, discouraged if you don't have necessarily the degree you think you need, or you don't think you went to a university that's big enough or you know uh, has as much clout as you think it does as well. I know just just something I've you know I've seen along the way is I think we let ourselves get um, kind of um, not demoralized, but I think we let we let that be a barrier for ourselves when it's not a barrier for others. I agree. I know you mentioned um, some of the lower points in your career while we were uh, talking about mm-hmm. um, the agency world and how hard it is in the in, and especially in the small agency business. I want to ask you what habit or skill did you struggle the most to develop in yourself and any current ones that you're still trying very hard to improve? I would go back to what I said before, you know, it's, it's around taking things personally um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, not letting go of things. I think sometimes too, I take on a lot, you know, it's almost like this perfectionist thing in me where I want to be able to do anything. I don't want to let people down. And I take things personally. And so it was really hard for me to be laid off, even though it was nothing that was really yeah. part of my doing, to not let that kind of beat me up and, and become who I am. Because things like that, when you have something that's a tough point in your career, um, if your career is who you are, if that's how you identify your, your life, like if, if your identity is, is what you do, and you feel like you failed at what you do, then your identity can become a failure. And so I think I fell into that immediately of like, my identity is this person who got laid off from a job versus my identity could be this person who rebounded quickly from this and became even better and did greater things. Um, And so it was, you know, my struggles have been, how do I not take those things personally? How do I not let my career really define who I am? or how people view me in my career or my accomplishments. Yeah, those are very good comments and kind of like notes to think through um, when you're going through situations like that. I can can resonate a lot with what you're saying. Uh, You know, being an entrepreneur, (laughs) so many of the things you do seem so tied into your personal self and who you are as a human being, and it's very hard to detach yourself from them. Um, you you wanted to say something as well. Oh, I was just going to say, and I yeah. think that drives so many of your other behaviors. It's kind mm-hmm. of like this this fear of failure then drives other behaviors, which is like trying to trying to keep yourself from failing in other places means that you yeah. work really hard. Um, you sometimes can be stubborn about some things. You know, I I often will say that I'm tenacious, but tenacious can sometimes border on being stubborn, you know, and so you've got to be self-aware of those things and say, when am I being kind of a tenacious person versus when am I going to let that get in my way? And so I think emotional IQ is an important thing that comes along with that. A hundred percent. Emily, I have one more question for you before we wrap up with our rapid fire session. Um, it's a bit of a controversial uh, question, I have to admit. <laughs> what I want to ask you is a 
kind of related to the fact that our industry is moving extremely fast and there's new trends and new buzzwords and new, new, new stuff every single week. And I want to ask you, what is one buzzword or trend or something popular today in marketing or in the brand world that is annoying you or that you disagree with? I think that with what we see today with the Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram world, which are all really great platforms and they, you know, for their audiences serve a great purpose that a lot of times brands and influencers and individuals and and where my annoyance with this comes is more so with brands and influencers Mm -hmm. is this propensity for, for brands and influencers to fall for every meme or trend or (laughs) anything new that pops up without thinking about how, what things are maybe trending or viral or that are authentic to us as a brand. You know, who are we and what things should we, you know, what, what things make sense for us versus let's do everything and just hope that we can, you know, fall into this brand and people will think it's cool and, and fun. Um, and so for me, it's like not one belief or buzzword or, or, or popular thing, it's all of them. Um, yeah. And the brands and the influencers who will just do everything across all of these platforms and hope that something sticks. And it's the one thing with my team and, you know, the other teams within our social group that I work with that I will continue to try to drive with them is, does it make sense? Is it authentic to us? Does it help us drive our strategy? If we, if we don't stand for something, we're going to fall for all of these things. Um, And so if we're going to participate in a meme or something, it has to feel like it's something that makes sense for us if we were, you know, in our persona. I was going to uh, ask you, what do you think was the risk for that? But you kind of answered that, you know, just risk dilution and not being genuine and, and meaningful. So moving forward, I have four quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So what you know talking about social media it kind of makes sense to start with this one uh personally what's your favorite one my favorite social media app yes um instagram instagram okay what's your favorite app or tool that you use at work powerpoint or keynote i prefer keynote but i use powerpoint more often (laughs) gotcha what's the worst advice you've ever received Never apologize at work. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And my last one is, if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today, what else would you do? I would own a bakery. A bakery. So many things, Emily. You're so many things, you know, healthcare, <laughs> nursing, the tech space, social media, not bakery. You surprise us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I love this- to bake. Yes. Uh, well, you know, who knows? Maybe we're going to see that some days, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Emily, for uh, having this chat with me and for taking the time to just share your story with our audience. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, doing this. Thank you again for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> very, <laughs> uh, very happy to hear you enjoyed it. And for everyone else listening in, uh, thank you for joining. And I hope you enjoyed this chat. And don't forget, we have new episodes every Wednesday. Subscribe to People's Marketing on your favorite podcast app. And till next time.